I, I just tell you, I'm so grateful for the servants we have in our church. And I don't mean just in worship, but in so many places, those who serve in greeting and they serve in ministries that are unseen. Um, God has blessed us greatly. So I just say that as a word of thanks before the Lord. We've been looking at Psalm 23, and my hope is, as I have a small group of mine, that, I, that you're memorizing this uh, incredible psalm. So I, I want to ask you, as you were just thinking about this for a moment, um, think about um, if you could be any animal. Yeah, you're already laughing. If you could be any animal, <clears throat> what would you be? Okay, so think about that and uh, grab one. Okay, time's up. Turn to someone and just tell them what that animal is, okay? Okay. Okay. If you said a cat, I'm sorry for you. Um, no. Let's let's rein it back in. Come on, come on. It's only one animal, not not five. So I've got some good news and some bad news for you. And I don't know what you'd want to hear first, but I'm going to choose. You get the bad news. Bad news is the Bible calls us sheep. Okay. Good news is the Bible tells us we have a shepherd. And I keep thinking, why not the lion or the tiger or the cheetah or the bear or even the horse? You know, why didn't the Bible compare us to that? Ever wondered why? Well, let me share with you why, because in Psalm 23, we're not a, what we'd call a pastoral or agricultural kind of um, people anymore. Um, a few of you may have gardens and some of you may have some animals, but I doubt there's anybody here who has a flock of sheep. I asked that last week, does anybody ever raise sheep? And, and someone does, had in our midst, but they didn't raise their hand. And, and so I will let them still stay anonymous. I don't know why. But anyway, there's a whole bunch of reasons why the Bible compares us to sheep. And, and one of those is because sheep are driven by fear. They're filled with fear. And they need protection, not only protection from others, but even from themselves. Leslie Knight, a sheep owner and operator, writes... Sheep are not the brightest bulbs on the earth. They simply do not react to obvious danger signs. If a dog, and not, not a shepherd dog, but a dog that's come uh, uh, to prey on them, or a wolf acts calm and lays down, the sheep will walk right up to it. Yet on the other hand, if anything, even a squirrel moves, the sheep will run. So they're just very timid very frightened animals. They also need constant care. They'll get themselves into positions and places where they will need a good shepherd watching over them to, act, to literally save them from themselves. Glenn um, Brunkow, a Midwest sheep operator, I think down in Indiana, he says, during my morning walkthrough, which they will do, uh, I saw a lamb caught in the fence. And this is the same lamb that had been caught in the same fence, in the same place for the past three mornings. And it was once again in a panic. So it took me simply turning its head, an act it seemed incapable of, and then just pushing his little woolly body back out through the fence. That's all it needed to do. But it was stuck. Sabine Ehlers, I, uh, an owner of sheep, <clears throat> Um, a farm and a trainer of sheepdogs who I believe is from Australia he writes <clears throat> one of the reasons why you try to get around 
and have a look at all the different fields every day, even if the sheep have sufficient grass and water, is to check to see if they've fallen or have been, as a shepherd would say, cast. Ehlers goes on to explain how easy sheep get into trouble, so how necessary it is to kind of keep your eye on them and watch over them. Content and rested sheep lie down to rest, and then what can happen is they will roll or slide into a hollow in the ground. For example, this could be a wheel track, a ditch, or a small pit, and if they end up on their back so that none of their feet touch the ground like that, they don't have the ability, he says, to push themselves up against. They They can't even move the little legs to get themselves right sided. So he goes on to say, if you don't find them, they will die. And he makes this point, he says, and he, and he says it all of a sudden, he's like he's talking to people, he says, if you see sheep on its back with its feet in the air, help her roll over and get up, or, or tell the farmer, because unless the farmer would happen by, very soon they'll end up dying. That's a picture of us. We get ourselves like in these situations, we're fearful. One other thing they talk about with regard to sheep, which I think applies to us as well, sheep need guidance. They need it in the most simple areas, both in eating and in drinking. Sheep eat grass all day. Hour upon hour, they eat grass. That's pretty much all they do. That's their life, they eat grass. But this constant eating creates problems. Eventually, sheep need to lie down in order to digest all the grass they've been eating. But some sheep will just keep eating. They don't know when to quit. Anybody know anybody like that? So that the shepherd, the good shepherd, will notice and realize that in some sheep from time to time, and he will make them lie down. Because it's when they lie down that they're able to digest that which they've been eating. And again, sheep, when it comes to drinking water, due to their immense fear of even the slightest movement, a shepherd will actually guide sheep to a quiet place, a place where the water is still so that they'll drink. Because if they're near water that's running like a a beautiful babbling brook, they can even be dying of thirst and not go get water to drink. Anybody relate to that? They just need the help of a shepherd. And so as much as we might like to be compared to some other animal, the Bible is pretty clear when it begins and it says in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. This picture is a picture of our relationship to God. So I'm going to ask you to stand and we're going to read these first few verses. And you'll see, again, we sang this song, this picture of of the Psalm 23, and we're going to read the first three verses, but it's a picture of God over you, this God above you, this God who goes before you. We're going to look at next week, this God who stands beside you, and then you look at this fact that God who stands, in a sense, is beneath you, and then it's God who comes behind you, hemming you in with his love. Let's read it together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Let's pray. Father, open our hearts to hear whatever you would like to say to us. Help us understand how much you love us. 
how much you are like a shepherd to each and every person here and how much we are like sheep at times filled with fear at times getting ourselves into places where we need you to help us not only get unstuck but to actually save us and God how you are a God who will guide us you're actually now going before us you're preparing the way for the things that you have for us and we thank you in Christ's name Amen you may be seated There's a number of things I'd like you to know about fear. We're going to really look at fear. We're going to look at the fact that this shepherd that we just read about is a shepherd who is he's actually making us lie down in green pastures. And, and sometimes when, when the only way a, a, a sheep will actually lie down is when they're content. And so you get this picture of God coming along and, and helping contented people rest. And, and then he says he leads them beside in the actual... Hebrew is waters of rest, a place where they can find rest. And once again, they're content because they know this God who leads them. They trust this God. They have followed him. And then he restores their soul. It's a deep term of not just their physical life, but all the sense of who they are. He comes in and he refreshes them. He is constantly through his leading and his guiding, bringing you into places where you can know that his desire for you is this shalom, wholeness, and peace and contentment. And then he says he will, he will guide you, again, into paths that are righteous. And the word itself is this word that you can find it translated in Proverbs 21. There's a verse in there, I think it's verse 21, where it talks about the idea that this word righteous is also this idea of prosperity. And he's not talking about a prosperity kind of gospel. He's talking about a shalom sense of peace where your relationship with God is good and your relationship with others is good. Your relationship with yourself and your relationship with all creation has a sense of harmony and goodness. And he says the purpose of his being a shepherd to you personally is that he wants to guide you each and every step along the way as you look to him and you follow him. He will lead you into these green pastures He will allow for you actually to enjoy these green pastures. He will allow you to move to these places where you are are experiencing rest because you have enough to drink. And he will be that shepherd who comes around and restores and makes things good and right. And every path that he leads you on is for your good. So it just would make sense to follow him, right? But then we are like sheep as one passage says and we go astray but we are also like sheep and we're just prone to fear and fear is this amazing um, emotion that God has given us that is to be a good gift that is like a warning light that when you're in a place where there is real danger you'll respond to the real danger and you'll do something about it all of a sudden you realize you haven't planned for your retirement and, and there's a real fear that you're supposed to do something about. Or, 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 or you're in this place where you recognize what you have done has, has, has marred your relationship, broken your relationship, there's this fear that you've lost this relationship and, and so you stop and you go, I've got to, I've got to engage and do something and, and, and humbly repair things. 
It's like this warning light that goes off so that like, if you drive down the road, there's times where they have these little grids right next to you that if you are steering off that road, you'll hear this bouncing, right? It'll, it'll be to protect you to get back on track. And yet fear, when we live in it, which is what God did not intend, remember, it's a warning light that causes correction. But when fear becomes a state that we live with a sense of dread or panic or we live with a sense of worry or anxiety, they're all degrees of fear. We are living in a place where we're living with what is called perceived threat. And and the real question we talked about last week is the question of what is a, a perceived threat and what is a real threat? And God gives you his word, he gives you other people, he gives you all kinds of ways to come around and, and, def- and define what that is. But what I want to talk about today is this fact that there is a shepherd who is leading you, and that's found in Psalm 23. He's leading you, he's guiding you, he's providing for you, he wants you to follow him, and he wants you to trust him like the sheep would trust a shepherd. But fear gets in the way. And the first thing I want you to, to, to kind of grasp is what I think this, this good shepherd wants you to know is that fear keeps us from following God, our good shepherd. It's interesting. John Orperg in the book called If You Want to Walk on Water, You've Got to Get Out of the Boat, writes, what would you guess is the most common command in Scripture? It's not for us to be more loving That may be core to God's desire for human life, but that is not his most frequent instructions. Writers about spiritual life often speak of pride as being at the root of human fallenness, but the Bible's most frequent imperative does not have to do with avoiding pride or gaining humility. So what is that most frequent? It's not a command to guard against sexual impurity or to to walk with integrity, as important as those are. The single command in Scripture that occurs more often than any other, God's most frequently requested and repeated instruction, is fear not. Fear not. Why does God command us not to fear? Why does the Good Shepherd say fear not? It's because fear is the number one reason human beings are tempted to avoid doing what God asked them to do. Go all the way back to the garden. You may say it was pride. What took place before pride was a temptation that said, did God give, did he really say you couldn't have this? Could you, I mean, if you don't do this, what, God's somehow holding out on you. And it appeals to fear, which then appeals to taking things in your own hands. So I just want you to understand this. We need to understand legitimate fear, which is to a real threat. But think about this for a second. As you are seeking to follow God, fear is one of the number one ways that I believe Satan seeks to get you not to do God's will. You can see it throughout Scripture. 
God tells these people, I'm going to free you. And they go through, um, they, they're freed from Egypt. And, and like a shepherd, he leads them through these waters. And he gives them commands. And then he leads them right to the edge of a land that he's promised to give them. Some 400 years ago, he said, I'm going to give you this land. And they come to that and they say, let's send in some spies. A wise thing to do. Let's figure out how we take this land. They send in 12. And they go in and they see this incredible fruit. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. And they bring it back. And the people are excited because they're bringing back this fruit and they put the stuff down and 10 of them go, listen, the land is wonderful. It's a great place. But hold on, don't get too excited. There's giants there. In fact, here's the exact words. It says in Exodus 13:33, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them. And fear said, don't go. Don't follow the shepherds leading. And two of them said, we should take the land. It's what God promised us. So the first thing to know is fear keeps us from doing the will of God. The Lord is your shepherd. He is leading you. His promise is to lead you into a place of fullness and contentment, into pastures and waters and, and restoring of your soul and into these paths of righteousness. But fear is the number one thing that gets in the way of you following God into those things. And it usually awakens something in us and they say, we've got to control this. We've got to make it happen. We've got to do it my way. And if I do it my way, then I'll get what I think I need. Um, just think about this as a parent, how fear works in your kids. So I remember when my kids were little, and I wanted them to you know, enjoy this swimming pool. We'd be down at my parents. They had a place down in Florida, and they'd be on the edge, and they were like two years of age, whatever. And I would get in the water, and anybody ever done this before? Try and coax your kid to come in, right? And they'll stand there on the edge, and they'll look at you, and you say, come on, come on, you can do it. And in their heart, everything inside them is going, no way. Fear is holding them back. But I'm standing there down there, and, and they're looking at me, and they go, you know, he's been relatively trustworthy. <laughs> he, he seems to have the strength to pick me up quite. I mean, I've experienced that, but jumping into his arms, I don't know. And there's this conflict that goes on between this trust that I'm going to jump and, and the fear that says, no, I better not. It is that which we experience like sheep whenever the shepherd is calling us to move forward. We have this sense of, well, you know, to follow this, uh, this command and to be obedient to God by, by not lying in the situation or, or white lying or, 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 or following God and doing what he tells me with regard to anything that God might be leading you into where you go, I'm afraid. If you're like me, this inner conflict of trust and fear happens again and again. You may be this morning here feeling a desire to switch careers to do something bold for God. But fear holds you back. And he's been leading you. You may feel trapped in a marriage that is painful and abusive, but fear holds you from getting true and real about what's going on and it holds you back from getting help. The fear exposure is greater. 
I think about some people here and they go, oh, you know, I don't feel any fear. I think of the successful business and who takes all kinds of risks financially every day for maybe a company he's leading or for the area that he's leading. High adventure, adrenaline-driven, fearless leader in the eyes of others and yet hasn't risked emotional intimacy or any kind of self-disclosure since a child. They're just afraid to let anyone in. They've got to control everything. That's fear. It could be that um, fear works in, in this way in your life. You're married and you both are in a place where you're fighting quite often. But fear keeps you from sharing that with anyone and getting to the phone or making connections with someone and finding some counselor. You maybe want to be in a small group, but you look around at everybody here and you look at them and they look like they really know all about the Bible and you usually feel fearful because you're not as spiritual, so you just don't ever sign up. Or you've been listening to God in services like this or with a friend and, and they come to you and they tell you how incredible God is and God is leading through the voice. You feel the tug of the Holy Spirit in your heart and fear says, don't do it. You've you got to give up too much. Well, it's interesting that when you experience that fear, you kind of have to ask yourself, what's behind it? And especially when it comes to God's leading. Because what will happen in God's leading is you will experience fear. And it's a real thing. And so what you find about this good shepherd is that there's a, there's a challenge that he gives you in the midst of this fear. And when fear is that which keeps you from following God, the next thing I think he says is face your fear and know that God's with you. As the good shepherd says, fear not, you kind of think he's just saying, you know, fear not, white knuckle it, just go through it. Um, I just want you to, to just, you know, pretend it's not there. That's not what he says. That's what he's saying. So often when you move into places where God is leading you to do something that could be really difficult, he's leading you into a situation where you, you are going to be growing as an individual, what will happen is it isn't like you can just white knuckle it. The fear actually increases. But he doesn't leave you there. Philip Keller, who is a former shepherd, decided to write a book called A Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm because he realized, uh, this is back in the 70s, that a lot of people just didn't have any understanding of what it meant to, for a shepherd. And he, at one point he says in, in, in his book, he says, you know, the, most, the, the single most influential thing for sheep to experience a sense of peace and calm, what do you think it would be? It is just the mere presence of the shepherd. Isn't it interesting? The single most important thing for sheep when they are in a place where they're agitated, where they're feeling nervous, where they're somewhat skittish, is for the presence of a shepherd, just, the shepherd just to show up in their midst and it just settles them all down. Now what I find is interesting is the single greatest commandment that God gives us is fear not, especially when he's calling us and he's leading us and he's directing us and then fear is there and fear begins to grow to keep us from going into what he's promised for us. Here's what's interesting in almost all the passages of scripture that you'll see. When he calls us and he uses these words fear not, the most often repeated command in scripture after fear not is this promise, I'm with you. Isn't that interesting? 
It kind of makes sense. The, what's the, the greatest thing that, that brings calm to the sheep is the fact that the, pre, the shepherd is present. It's the promise of God's presence. Now, he doesn't say, I'll take away your fear. He doesn't say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push you into it and make you do it. He basically says this, this is an opportunity for you to grow the muscle of your trust in who I am. So I want you to think for a second. This week, this couple days ahead of you, just think about it. What is your greatest fear? What is the thing that God might be calling you into? What is the thing that you're facing? And you're facing and you're going, I'm going to be doing this and it's really fearful. And you feel usually what? Alone. And God says, I want you to think about that fear right now. Just whatever it might be. It, may, it might be as simple as you're not making your sales quota, you're, you're, you're afraid of failing in some situation, you're afraid of being alone, it may be that you're, you're afraid of, of um, a test that you've got to take, that you're, whatever it might be. And, and what's interesting is, what the scripture says is, fear not, don't be afraid, and it says, for I'm with you. You're not alone. You're not alone. As I lead you and as I guide you, you need to understand that I am with you. And I will walk with you. There's all kinds of scriptures around this. There's a scripture that says in Deuteronomy 31.6, Moses says to Israel, he looks out at Israel and he's coming to his last few days, probably the last few months of his life, and in those final months, he says, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid or terrified because of them, the people that they were going to have to go, the land they're going to have to take. For the Lord your God goes with you, he will never leave you nor forsake you. And then a, a verse later, he summons Joshua, brings Joshua in, into his tent and says the exact same thing. First Chronicles chapter 28, verse 20, David is at the end of his life and he brings his son Solomon and he says to his son Solomon, be strong and courageous and do the work. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord God, my God, is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you until all the work of the service of the temple of the Lord is finished. Second Chronicles 32, 7 through 8, Hezekiah, this little nation Judah, they've been shrinking and shrinking as Assyria keeps taking over one city after another city. Now they're standing outside the borders of the city and they're, they're actually challenging them and, 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 and they're, they're basically saying, don't believe in your God to the citizens, don't believe in the king and what he's telling you. And Hezekiah stands up before them and says, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid or discouraged because of the king of Assyria. And the vast army with him, as they look out and they see this vast army, for there is a greater power with us than with him. With him is only the arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. These are great verses to take and to just memorize or to take with you and to look at them. Isaiah 42, 1 through 2. The prophet Isaiah, looking out, says to the people, but now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel. We sang this this morning. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. And then if you look at the stories of Jesus, go through the New Testament, I'll just give you one. Matthew chapter 14, 26 through 27. The disciples, they see Jesus walking towards him on the lake. They're terrified. And they yell, it's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in fear, listen to Jesus. He immediately calls out to him and says, take courage. 
Sound familiar? It is I. It is really, it is I am. Don't be afraid. I was at a funeral just about a week or so ago for someone that I did ministry with for a number of years. Her name was Donna. And her daughter got up to share a little bit about her mom, and she told about her mom, um, how her mom came around her for her first day of school. Here was little Becky. She's really afraid. She's got this little nice dress on that her mom made for her, and it had these pockets in her. And she's just scared, and her mom knows it. And so her mom kind of kneels down and says, Becky, um, you don't need to be afraid. She, she grabs her hand, and she takes a little hand. She takes it and puts it in her pocket. She says, Becky, I just want you to know that when you're afraid, um, you can know I'm just holding your hand. You can just put your one hand in your pocket, and I'm holding it. And then she says, you know, Becky, would you put your other hand in your pocket? So Becky puts her other hand in her pocket. She goes, Jesus is holding that one. And when you're in that situation and when you're really afraid, I want you to know that you're not alone. Mom is with you, and Jesus is with you. She said, I could never forget that. I kept that in my heart throughout my life. There's this sense, isn't it interesting, that God comes to us and says, don't fear. I mean, it's not that the fear is going to go away, but I, I want you to choose not to fear because there's someone who is greater than your fear. It is me who is with you. A- ever take a child? Some of you who are young parents know this even now. That you take your child and you, and you take her or he or she to the nursery and you leave the child in the nursery, what happens when you leave? There's times they cry, right? And it's, they go through this stage called separation anxiety. And it's a, it's, a, it's a stage that every child has to mature through because that they realize after a period of time as though even though mom and dad are visibly in their presence, they know that mom and dad can get there. They, there's a, a sense that they realize that they can be separated and they'll be okay. There's this real sense spiritually, one of the important moves for people who are going to grow up spiritually at a time, and it happens as you go through these situations where you follow God's leading and you find that God is there. Over time, there's a, what I call a spiritual separation anxiety, where when you first are growing and you're first walking with the Lord, you, you, you have this sense that you get into the situation and you go, I don't, I'm alone, I don't have, and you're scared, and you're crying out to God, and yet you obey, and as you obey, you sense that God is with you part of what God is trying to teach us is that we can grow up in in maturity and walk with him wherever we go and not be afraid and not have to cry out because he tells you when you walk with me I'm leading you into these places of green pasture I'm leading you beside waters where you can rest I want you to walk through life one of the most fearful things for Satan is is a saint who is peaceful in their heart and their calm In the midst of fears, they walk in and they go, my God is with me. And it doesn't mean the fears, again, go away. Sometimes as you start to step into it, it increases. And here's the third thing. I just want you to think about this. There's this third thing that happens when you begin to follow Jesus. What what happens is he he leads you. Fear will keep you from following him and doing the things he's calling you to do. I can't trust a command. I can't trust your word, God. Really? Come on. If I do that, I'll be a laughingstock. If I do that, I'll I'll lose, you know, my job possibly at work. If I do that, and you have all these scenarios of perceived threats of what could happen, and sometimes they do, and God even says he will still walk with you, but you have all this going on in your head, and then he comes alongside you, he says, you know what, grow up, separation anxiety, I am with you, I'm beside you, I'm, I'm actually going before you, preparing what I have for you, I'm not going to let you fall. And then he comes to us and he says these words you heard again and again, 
Be strong and courageous. He's basically saying, feel your fear and act courageously. Recognize the fear and the perceived fear that you may have of threats of all the stuff ahead of you. Knowing God is with you, and here's, here's the thing he calls you to do. Obey. Fear will actually flee in your obedience. You know that? What's really interesting is you obey, it gives opportunity for God to show up. If you just continue to stay in that place where you're ready to jump, I'm with you, I'll hold you, I'll catch you, and God is saying those things, and, and you just you don't take the step, you will not see the act of God in your life. You will not be able to see the God who comes through for you. Fear will hold you in this place. But the moment you begin to act in obedience, you start stepping it out, God has the ability to walk in. Can you imagine the people when they came to the Jordan River? Here they are, Moses says you're supposed to take him across Joshua. Joshua gets ready and Joshua instead of standing like Moses did and holding up a staff and the waters parted, he says here's what you got to do and he calls the leaders. This would be great for the elders and some of the staff. He says you guys get in front and the water you have to understand of the Jordan is flood level. It's just rushing by and he says I want you to walk across and the rest will follow. And they're going right. So they walk and they get ankle deep in it and the waters part and God shows up. And it isn't until that happens that they begin to have the confidence to walk through it because they see the act of God in their midst. Courage is obedience. It's just obedience in the face of fear. It's an actual command that God says. It's the command that says that you're standing there and he's saying, jump, go, walk, step, follow. It's, it, he says, have I not commanded you to Joshua? Be strong and courageous. I've commanded you to step into this, to follow me. And when you obey, God is present with you and you get to see God at work. Psalm 23 is a picture of this. I'm going to ask us to stand and we're going to read this psalm again. It's a picture of God hemming us in. And I'd love for you, as we go through this whole idea of living without fear, we are meant to live without living in the state of fear. We're called by God to know he's with us. And we're called by God to make that step of obedience in following and trusting him. Let's say this together. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And as we sing this song, um, if God can lead Dr. Casey and their aunt and their family in the midst of all kinds of fear, step by step, he can lead you.
Let's just sing this as a prayerful response and then we'll leave.